Chapter Two of The Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two The Wanderer Returns. The hour was growing late, and the family were dining in the great hall. Rupert Ravenspur sat at the head of the table, with Gordon's wife opposite him. The lovers sat smiling and happy side by side. Across the table Marion beamed gently upon the company. Nothing ever seemed to eclipse her quiet gaiety. She was the life and soul of the party. There was something angelic about the girl as she sat there clad in soft diaphanous white. Lamps gleamed on the fair damask, on the feathery daintiness of flowers, and on the lush purple and gold and russet of grapes and peaches. From the walls long lines of bygone ravenspurs looked down. Fair women in hoops and farthingale, men in armor. There was a flash of color from the painted roof. Presently the soft-footed servants would quit the castle for the night, for under the new order of things nobody slept in the castle excepting the family. Also it was the solemn duty of each servitor to taste every dish as it came to table. A strange precaution, but necessary in the circumstances. For the moment the haunting terror was forgotten. Wines red and white gleamed and sparkled in crystal glasses. Rupert Ravenspur's worn white face relaxed. They were a doomed race, and they knew it. Yet laughter was there, a little saddened, but eyes brightened as they looked from one to another. By and by the servants began to withdraw. The cloth was drawn in the old-fashioned way, a long row of decanters stood before the head of the house, and was reflected in the shining brown pool of mahogany. Big log fires danced and glowed from the deep ingle nooks. From outside came the sense of the silence. An aged butler stood before Ravenspur with a key on a salver. "'I fancy that is all, sir,' he said. Ravenspur rose and made his way along the corridor to the outer doorway. Here he counted the whole of the domestic staff, carefully passed the drawbridge, and then the portcullis was raised. Ravenspur Castle and its inhabitants were cut off from the outer world. Nobody could molest them till morning. And yet the curl of a bitter smile was on Ravenspur's face as he returned to the dining hall. Even in the face of these precautions, two of the garrison had gone down before the unseen hand of the assassin. There was some comfort in the reflection that the outer world was barred off but it was futile, childish, in vain. The young people, with Mrs. Charles, had risen from the table and had gathered on the pile of skins and cushions in one of the ingle nooks. Gordon Ravenspur was sipping his claret and holding a cigar with a hand that trembled. Hardy man as he was, the shadow lay upon him also. Indeed, it lay upon them all. If the black death failed to strike, then madness would come creeping in its track. 
thus it was that evening generally found the family all together there was something soothing in the presence of numbers they were talking quietly almost in whispers occasionally a laugh would break from vera only to be suppressed with a smile of apology ravenspur looked fondly into the blue eyes of the dainty little beauty whom they all loved so dearly i hope i didn't offend you grandfather she said in that big hall voices sounded strained and loud ravenspur smiled nothing you could do would offend me he said it may be possible that a kindly providence will permit me to hear the old roof ringing with laughter again it may be perhaps that this is reserved for strangers when we are all gone only seven left gordon murmured eight father vera suggested she looked up from the lounge on the floor with the flicker of the wood fire in her violet eyes do you know i had a strange dream last night i dreamt that uncle ralph came home again he had a great black bundle in his arms and when the bundle burst open it filled the hall with a gleaming light and in the center of that light was the clue to the mystery ravenspur's face clouded nobody but vera would have dared to allude to his son ralph in his presence for over ralph ravenspur hung the shadow of disgrace a disgrace he had tried to shift on to the shoulders of his dead brother charles marion's father of that dark business none knew the truth but the head of the family for twenty years he had never mentioned his erring son's name it is to be hoped that ralph is dead he said harshly a somber light gleamed in his eyes vera glanced at him half timidly but she knew how deeply her grandfather loved her and this gave her courage to proceed i don't like to hear you talk like that she said it is no time to be harsh or hard on anybody i don't know what he did but i have always been sorry for uncle ralph and something tells me he is coming home again grandfather you would not turn him away if he were ill if he were dying if he suffered from some grave physical affliction perhaps not otherwise ravenspur ceased to talk the brooding look was still in his eyes his white head was bent low on his breast marion's white fingers touched his hand caressingly the deepest bond of sympathy existed between these two and at the smile in marion's eyes ravenspur's face cleared you would do all that is good and kind marion said you cannot deceive me oh i know you too well for that and if uncle ralph came now marion paused and the whole group looked one to the other with startled eyes with nerves strung tightly like theirs the slightest deviation from the established order of things was followed by a feeling of dread and alarm and now on the heavy silence of the night the great bell gave clamorous and brazen tongue ravenspur started to his feet 
"'Strange that anyone should come at this time of night,' he said. "'No, Gordon, I will go. There can be no danger, for this is tangible.' He passed along the halls and passages till he came to the outer oak. He let down the portcullis. "'Come into the light,' he cried, "'and let me see who you are.' A halting, shuffling step advanced and presently the gleam of the hall lantern shone down upon the face of a man whose features were strangely seamed and scarred. It seemed as if the whole of his visage had been scored and carved in criss-cross lines until not one inch of uncontaminated flesh remained. His eyes were closed. He came forward with fumbling outstretched hands as if searching for some familiar object. The features were expressionless, but this might have been the result of those cruel scars. But the whole aspect of the man spoke of dogged, almost pathetic, determination. "'You look strange and yet familiar to me,' said Ravenspur. "'Who are you, and whence do you come?' "'I know you,' the stranger replied in a strangled whisper. "'I could recognize your voice anywhere. You are my father.' "'And you are Ralph. Ralph, come back again!' There was horror, indignation, surprise in the cry. The words rang loud and clear, so loud and clear that they reached the dining hall and brought the rest of the party hurrying out into the hall. Vera came forward with swift, elastic stride. With a glance of shuddering pity at the scarred face, she laid a hand on Ravenspur's arm. "'My dream,' she whispered. "'It may be the hand of God. Oh, let him stay!' "'There is no place here for Ralph Ravenspur,' the old man cried. The outcast still fumbled his way forward. A sudden light of intelligence flashed over Gordon as he looked curiously at his brother. "'I think, sir,' he said, "'that my brother is suffering from some great affliction. Ralph, what is it? Why do you feel for things in that way?' "'I must,' the wanderer replied. "'I know every inch of the castle.' I could find my way in the darkest night over every nook and corner. Father, I have come back to you. I was only to come back to you if I were in sore need or if I was deeply afflicted. Look at me. Does my face tell you nothing? Your face is, is dreadful, and as for your eyes, I cannot see them. You cannot see them? Ralph said in that dreadful, thrilling, strangled whisper, "'Because I have no sight, because I am blind.' Without a word, Ravenspur caught his unhappy son by the hand and led him to the dining hall, the family following in awed silence. End of chapter 2